Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. All right, praise the Lord. All right, let's see if we can... Uh, I want to go to Luke chapter 7. And then we're going to go to John chapter 15. Luke chapter 7. And then we're going to go to John chapter 15. Luke chapter 7, and we're going to begin reading at verse 11, and we'll read verse 11 through 16. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying, That a great prophet is risen up among us and that God hath visited his people. Now let's go to John chapter 5, John chapter 5. I mean, John chapter 15, I'm sorry, John chapter 15. And let's look at verse 9 through 15. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever, whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Now let's pray, and then we'll see if we can get into this word here for today. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray and ask today that you might lead us into your scripture. Father, the Bible teaches us that we see through a glass darkly, and that we only can understand to the extent that the Holy Spirit gives us enlightenment. Father, we pray today that you would enlighten our minds and allow the Spirit of God to help us with the Word of God, that we might be all that you are asking us to be. Father, we ask it even now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, today, you know, I was talking to Brother Chris a little before church and had a little conversation with my wife, and I've, I've been talking the last few weeks about some different things. Today, the title of my message is No Greater Love. No Greater Love. And my thesis, at least where I hope to get when we're done, is that the Lord demonstrated the greatest depth of compassion by dying in our place. The Lord demonstrated the greatest depth of compassion by dying in our place. Now, the word compassion, you find it uh, many times in the scriptures, and you see God 
consistently declaring himself to be a God of compassion. And the word compassion actually means uh, a sympathetic sorrow that's invoked by the suffering of others and is used in a comparable sense to a condolence or empathy and things of that nature. It is written in one place that in the West, the United States and others, the religious concept of pity or compassion was reinforced after the acceptance of Judeo-Christian values. The scripture says, like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. And when I began preparing this message, it's kind of tied to some of what I've been saying over the last week or two. As I have entered into moments of different things that I've dealt with in my own life, I was driving the other day and I saw a man in a wheelchair at the corner of, I think it was Wooddale and maybe Florida. Had a sign that said, you know, veterans, a veteran need, veterans need help, veterans struggling, stuff like that. And his leg was amputated below the knee and he seemed a little slightly overweight, but he was in the wheelchair and obviously he was getting himself around. And as I looked at him, it was like one of those days where it was probably 90, 95 degrees as he sat there with that sign. And I thought to myself once again, as I told you all before, there's sometimes places where the message I would have, I wouldn't necessarily hand that to him in that moment. Not because the message isn't correct. I believe it's right. I believe it's good. It's like I told Brother Chris this morning, you know, when Jesus was dealing with his disciples, his immediate people to go out to do what had to be done, they needed to understand. They needed to be trained. They needed to be fully aware of the fact that your faith cannot fail, and you must understand that when it comes to God, you're going to come up against circumstances and situations and things that don't make sense. But God is always on the throne. God has not left the throne. And although we may be like Paul says, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Okay, you know, we, we may be perplexed. We don't understand it, but we will not get in despair. He says we may be cast down, but we know we're not forsaken. We don't understand it all, but what we do know is that God is who he declares himself to be. Because as yesterday, it was just sad. Many of us have gone through things, and, 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 and I know that, so this is not anything new. But when you're constantly, as a pastor especially, you deal with it on and on and on and so many different ways, and you hear about all of the different problems that all of the different people have. Many times people exist kind of in their own space with their own set of problems. So they don't really know about the greater world around them because they're really kind of occupied at the moment with what's happening. But as a pastor, you get an opportunity really to kind of see because you're talking to different people who have different struggles at different angles on different things. And it may be that if you were to compare one person's struggle with another's struggle, 
you, you could say to them, look, trust me, um, it's not as bad as you think. Uh, it's going to be okay. You know, um, it, it'll work out, you know, and things like that. But the reality is you see these things. And what we see today, especially in Luke chapter 7, is an amazing kind of encounter that Jesus has where nobody says anything. And as I sat there yesterday and I watched Kezia, the youngest of all the kids, she sat on the front row and she would weep and then she'd stop and then she'd recall something about her dad, you know, the pancakes he made and something about what he would say about him and then she'd start to laugh and then a moment later she would begin to weep again. Uh, Sister Lori would go over, I'd go over, whatever. This is Kareem, same thing, people talking. And then as I looked, you know, at him in the coffin, and he was there, and then as they get ready to close up everything, they begin to wind it down. And you think about life, you know, kind of winding down, you know. And that's when they really began to weep. And it was like, oh, God, I'm doing everything I can to, you know, how to pastor, you try to, but at the same time, I always remember what the scripture says. You know, you weep with them that weep. And I just said, look, I feel y'all. I understand where you are. This, this just troubles me so much. And I remember then these scriptures, you know. And if we go back, we see that what's interesting is that Jesus had been out healing. And he goes to this city. And there's this lady coming out. And... Her only son that she has, the only son she has, has died. And her husband's dead. So basically, she's been left alone. Now it's just her. We know this story happens now. There are people that this happens to in our day. But we see a different encounter and a different result that helps us to understand where we're going and where we will end up, even if what? I couldn't do it. I wasn't able to walk up and touch the beer and he rise up. I had to go to the burial site, and I had to say the final words over him and commit his body to the earth. And again, what was amazing to me is Kezia was sitting there looking at me with this smile on her face. Every time I would say things about uh, God and I'd read it and I would read it because I wanted people to understand it with enthusiasm that this is truth. And she just sat there with this big grin on her face. And I knew then this is what the compassion of God is about and the grace of Christ in the moments we don't understand. And even though we see them as tragic, and they are, God can, in the midst of this tragedy, infuse strength in us that we don't know where it comes from. And his word, as I kept reading it, and every time I would look, I just kept thinking, what is wrong with, what is she doing? And she was just looking at me and smiling, and, and she just had this big grin on her face. And I thought, Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for what's happening in this moment with her and with everyone as they 
seem to be embracing the word, understanding this moment, because many people would not. When you look at what Jesus did in this situation, it says that they're coming out with the man and the woman. And Jesus sees it, it says in verse 13, and when the Lord, the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. Now, the woman hasn't said anything. She hasn't asked him for anything. She hasn't prayed for anything that we know about. Maybe she's prayed somewhere. We don't know. But what we know is she now has an encounter with God. God meets her on her road of sorrow and without asking her anything, says to her, weep not. And then he doesn't say anything about faith. He doesn't say anything about it's not impossible if you can only believe I can do this. Mm -mm. The Bible says, he had compassion on her and said, weep not. Jesus looked and he saw a situation that made him embrace it and do what we said compassion is, a sympathetic sorrow that's invoked by a situation that is sad and to be pitied. As I saw that man in that wheelchair, I, I didn't, have the sense to say, I wonder why you're there. How did you get there? None of that was in my mind at the time. What was in my mind was the blazing heat, the fact that I at times have had the nerve to complain about it being hot, and not only has this man had to wheel himself there, because there wasn't nobody behind him pushing no wheelchair, he wheeled himself to a spot where he could get there and beg for something. Not only that, he's missing half of his leg. Yet he's out there in all of this heat. I sent it to my wife, a picture. I took it. I sent it to her, and she just sent back so sad. I said, yeah, it really is. I said, and God allows us many times to see the world for what it is, so that we don't forget that many times there are people that are constantly going through something all the time. I found more and more, I had a conversation with someone the other day, and it's not important who. And as I began to tell them, you know, the world is a funny place. There are lots of people going through things, and nobody even knows it. And as we kept talking, we finally got to him telling me that, he has heart palpitations that he kind of brought up on himself over time. He, the doctor, he says, seems to believe through drinking a bunch of caffeine and uh, a bunch of other uh, monster drinks and whatever else he was doing that he says one day all of a sudden his heart just started doing whatever, found himself laying on a bed. They took him to the hospital and the doctors basically said, hey, here's your problem. This is what you're doing. So now he's constantly has this fear, you know, if it's, Heart jumps. He's like, oh, my God, what's about to happen? And things like this, right? And he says, but the doctor told him his heart was fine. <laughs> You're fine, but you need to leave that caffeine and all that other stuff alone. Just stop doing it. But he says he lives with a constant fear 
that if he's about to go on vacation, what if this happens? What if that happens? And I told him, I said, man, let me say this to you. I said, it's very interesting that you would say that. I said, because, you know, as I'm talking to you, I'm only talking to you about people and things. I said, there's always something going on. You never know what in people's lives. And I never would have thought that about you because the way you carry yourself, the way you act, I could have been going through something, looking at you going, man, I wish I was where he is. I wish my life was like yours right now. I could be saying that. Not knowing you're a man living in daily fear of your heart going to skip and what's going to happen. And right then, I said, can I pray for you? Now, I don't even know if the man's a Christian. He looked like I had shocked him with a prod, one of them cattle prods. His eyes like this. Because <laughs> I had found that that's not my normal way I deal with people. You know, normally what I had been doing is I listen. Somebody may tell me something. And I said, we're going to keep you in prayer. And usually I would try to pray for the person. I, I, at least I would try not to just say that and not pray for them. But at the same time, I'm not so sure that, well, I'm, I'm very sure that at the moment, I wouldn't normally just say, hey, <laughs> let me pray for you. He looked shocked. He said, sure, like that. And I did. I brought everything I could bring out, thought about the devil, anything else I could, and asked God to bless the man and put a spirit of where he's not fearful and whatever, that he lives his life according to what the doc said. And blessed him and walked away. I was in another place, just sitting. Person walks up and I speak to him. Some of y'all would know him. That's why I'm not, again, it's not important who it is. Spoke to them, and they were like, hey, how you doing, prof? They know me this way. Oh, I'm doing good. You know, how's your life? Oh, it's going great. Everything's wonderful. So I'm sitting. All of a sudden, can I talk to you for a minute? Sure. We get up, walk outside. They begin to talk. Next thing you know, they're crying tears all over. They go, oh, my God, you know, what is going on? And then I find myself again saying, do you mind if I pray for you? After everything that you've said, can I pray for you? He was like, sure. So again, I prayed. Just Lord, whatever. Again, somebody that had I just thought to myself that they look fine. Everything looks good. They look like their life's great. We just go by like nothing's going on at all. They're okay. And you see that this is somewhat the constant state of what we find ourselves in. Yesterday, my wife sent out a text to the HELPS team, because many of those members were there at the funeral, saying, uh, thank you for being here, because it demonstrated our family, how much we care for one another, etc." And Jazz came back and thanked everyone and all. And I think it was Sister April who came back and made a comment about our church and how people in our church care about one another, and we really do feel like here we have a family. 
And again, that just warmed my spirit in terms of what I believe that, yes, we have. And as I read this, as I was preparing, and I thought about God's compassion, how God, Jesus would walk up to someone in such need, and without them asking him for anything, he sees the tears, he sees the crying, he understands the condition, and he acts on it and he heals it. This tells us what ultimately we can look forward to, which is basically what I said to them yesterday. In moments where we don't see it occurring, we think now in the moment we're in and whatever the case might be, we hold fast to what we know is truth. Truth that without, Paul said, we are people most miserable. What is the point of believing in a Christ who did not rise from the dead? If he didn't rise from the dead, Paul says, then the dead are not risen. And if the dead are not risen, we are lost in our sin. There is no hope. But he says, but Christ has risen from the dead and we have hope. In your situation, I don't know what some of y'all are dealing with. <laughs> you know, I might think, look out there and go, man, you look great. Everything looks like it's going wonderful for you. <laughs> and not have a clue that that's not what's happening. And many times as believers, we kind of carry a good, strong face, and that's wonderful. But we have to understand, God has a moment. Jesus had a moment. When we look at the thesis, I'm saying that the Lord demonstrated the greatest depth of his compassion by dying. It was necessary that he couldn't stay. What God showed us was what will happen when Christ is finally with us always. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more death. And mostly it's hard for people to, to accept that. Death, unfortunately, is here with us to stay. It is the constant reminder and enemy of man that no matter what we do, we cannot avoid him. No matter what we try, no matter how long we live, no matter what we do, we will not avoid death. Unless, the Bible says, Christ comes back. Ignoring it doesn't make it go away. Pretending doesn't make it go away. It's a reality that we must face and deal with. The question really becomes, when we're in it, it's like, whoa, wow. It's such a struggle. And this is the perplexity of all of this and the perplexity of the life that we find ourselves in. Jesus, in John chapter 15, we saw it. And this is all that we can offer to each other. He says this in verse 9. I've said it here before, you know, it's not like I think I'm going to run out and pull people out of wheelchairs and it'd be great if my faith, yeah, that happened. But I tell you what, I can do. The Bible says this in John chapter 15, as the Father hath loved me, so 
have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. The one thing I can do, I may can't lay hands on you and heal your sickness. I may not be able to lay hands on you and bring forth what you want in your life. But one thing I can do is love my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what we are commanded to do. Je Jesus says, I command you to do it. Brother Rahim was in class the other day. I teach a part-time up there, and I walked into the classroom, and he and I were talking and kind of doing some things. Some of the students were sitting out there, and my class starts at 9. It was about 9.05. We were talking. And in my back of my mind, I'm like, it's okay. My class is like an hour and 20 minutes anyway. Half time, they half late anyway, so I'm good. We, so he and I are talking, and I'm not really paying attention. Then I realized it was time, and so at some point, you know, I shook his hand, and we just hugging each other. I said, man, I love you, brother. I love you too, man. I love you, brother. And they're just looking. So then I looked up. <laughs> I said, I know they look strange, y'all, huh? And, 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 and I don't think they knew what to think about it at all. But, but the reality is that as I remember Brother Lynch, before he got married, him and Sister Vicky, and I had just met her, and she came to the church. And I remember saying to her, I really love this man. I really love this man. <laughs> and she kept looking at me, and she said, well, so do I. And I said, you understand my point. She says, I do. I said, you know, I'm just trying to make you understand, you know. People, we go through a lot of stuff, and when we start talking about getting married and things like that, marriage is serious, man. I mean, and, and when people get married, I mean, you know, we, we bring a whole new realm of things in our life. You bring a whole nother family in your life. You can't say, well, them people, family don't matter. They matter, and whatever they're doing somehow will impact your life in some way. You can tend to push it aside some, but, but not really when it's all over. The reality is everybody becomes one, and we're dealing with these things. It may not even be good. We got some people, we have families that we just like, mm, it just ain't good, but it's still real. And we now that we are married, we have to figure out how to embrace each other and walk our way through it at times. I remember Sister Lori and I, when we got married, first we got married, we met each other. It was a joke between the two of us. I told her, I said, look, let me just say this to you. My mom ain't never liked nobody that I'd gone out with. And she says, well, welcome to the party. Neither has mine. So we knew, okay, well, at least if nothing else, when you come see my mom, you know she's going to be acting crazy. And when I go see your mom, she'll be acting crazy. So we good, right? Well, one day it was so funny. We go over, and I'm getting ready to leave, and her mom calls me over. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she leans over my ear and says, I love you. I walked away with tears in my eyes. I get in the car. Lori's like, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't want to say it. She said, what? I said, your mama just told me she loved me. 
She said, you lying. <laughs> she ain't never told me that. <laughs> she, matter of fact, she got a shirt right now. I was talking about getting one because we were leaving for a couple of days for our anniversary, and she's always going over her mom's sick, and she goes over to see her. She takes the dog, get medicine. You want to find somebody compassion, Lori is it. The dog get medicine. Her mama get the medicine. So she leaves, and she tells her sister she's going to be gone one day. Go over and tell mama, I put the pills here, whatever, whatever. So her mom calls, we're gone, and she says, basically, you worry the H out of me, and your sister confuses the H out of me. <laughs> she says, so she was just going to get a shirt and put it on there, you know, front. Donna confuses, and I worry. I said, well, at least she loves me. <laughs> and the other day, we sat down. I went over there, and I sat. <laughs> and as I was listening to her talk, I told Lori, I said, well, just listen to her sometimes. Because, you know, sometimes she'd be saying stuff. She said, yeah, I know she say a lot. I said, but just listen. And she said, you know what, what I like about you and Lori? Now, Lori had gone into things. She said, see, when y'all got married, y'all understood something. What? It just ain't going to be easy. You know, some things are hard. Got to go through things. And y'all seem to understand that about each other. And I'm thinking, just talking just as, I, I, and I was just surprised because normally we don't, she doesn't have those conversations. She just goes and does her thing. But she was just adamant to make it clear as she was talking and all that. And Lori came back in and I said, you know, your mom's got some pretty good advice over there. And she's like, okay, what? And then we talked. So one day, we're going, you know, she always brings her mom something to eat. We stop at McDonald's. She was, always wants to have some kind of cheeseburger or something. Okay, fine. And then she tells me to order this nugget bundle, six nugget bundle, along with the double cheese bundle, something like that. I say, girl, your mama don't eat all that? She said, oh, no, the nuggets are for the dog. <laughs> oh, my God. So we come in the house, and the dog, oh, he got expectations now. You walk in, and she got one bag. She ain't about to hear the end of that. He follows her all around the house. He come over to me like this. Uh, like, where my nuggets, dude? I, now I know you didn't come in this house, and y'all didn't bring me my nuggets. I said, Lord, now you done got the dog. This is not a good thing. He should eat regular food. Dog get his pills and all, and she's always so meticulous to make sure. I said, Man, I said, you know, this is amazing to me, how you just push out. But it's, it's really about how we demonstrate our care and concern for each other. I think that this is, the, this is the deal, you know, that this is what Jesus was trying to get us. He said, this is how people will know you're my disciples. And that is your love one for another. He says, if you love one another, then you fulfill my command. Imagine this man about to die. The greatest love, he said, no one can have a greater love than this. And this is, this is in, uh, in verse, let me see where he says it, verse 13. So as much as we want to love and we all, but he says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus has declared us to be his friends. And I don't know about you all, but you know, a lot of us don't, may not have a lot of personal friends and all that, but to have a friend in God, imagine that. 
which means that when you're going through and when it ain't like you want it to be and things aren't quite what you thought they would be, God is still there as your friend. He's there to help. He's there. He's compassionate. He's kind. God always declares himself to be so. And Jesus said, if you want to see the Father, you see me. And I believe that yesterday, had he been physically present and ready, Jesus, all the weeping, the tears to reach and touch and heal. And although we can't sometime reach that place, what we can do, though, is to reach and touch those who are impacted by what's happening. My plan at some point, and you know, I, don't matter, y'all knowing about it one way or the other right now. Just saying, I told my wife, I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I just stop on the side and go over there and deal with the man in the chair. Just say hello, man. Something, give him something. But just more to say hello, just to encourage who you talk to. See, I could call almost any of you all. I, I really believe that. If I had your phone number, I think I could call any of y'all, and y'all would at least talk to me. If I said, hey, I'm lonely today, you'd talk to me. I believe that. So I just wonder, who does he talk does he have a friend? Does he have anybody who stops other than just giving him a couple dollars and talk to him? You know, just to say, look, man, you're seen. You're not somebody that is just here on the side of the road and, and I give you a few dollars and just keep going. You're seen. It, it, it troubles me. I, I can't fix your situation, but I believe that God is aware of your situation, and I don't know how you got here, but I know one thing, that Jesus loves you and he cares about you. And that's all I really can do. But we're told that we can love one another. And Jesus said, look, this is a commandment that I'm giving you now. You know, many times people say we should follow God's commandments. And his commandments are not hard if we are saved and we have his spirit we don't follow them by going down the list. What we do is that we, as we read them, we recognize that the Spirit of God will not lead us into these things. The Bible tells us, but the Bible even goes on in John to say, if any of us commit sin, we can ask God, he'll forgive us of our sins. Interesting thing, and I don't think that Brother Brian would mind me sharing this. You know, yesterday after the funeral, we were standing there and and he said to me, you know, man, that could have been me. He said, you know, I, I wonder why am I still here? And of course, my quick wit has gone. I, it, was, it was gone at the moment. But as I rode away, I thought about it. And so I saw him this morning, and I, I told him, I said, look, let me say this. And Brother Sean mentioned this to me about the men in here. And, and you know, because you know how we are as men. You know, we don't need to go to the doctor. We don't this, we don't that. And some people are just afraid to go, whatever. But Sister Corrine told me that weeks before he had his major uh, cardiac arrest, that he had been having severe chest pain. But she tried to encourage him to go to the doctor. She kept trying to get him to go to the doctor. But he wouldn't go. Um, Brother Alvin just was like, look, I mean, I think... She told me he went in, and I think when she had the baby, I can't remember what happened, but Alvin passed out. <laughs> I mean, that's how he is. He would faint. If he saw a needle sticking in my arm, he'll faint. 
And that's just how he was. So he just didn't like the doctor, the hospital, nothing. But it appears that, and I told Brian, because you and I are cut from the same wimpy cloth, as his event began, he went to the hospital. And that's why he's here. He went to the hospital, and the doctors got involved, and they were able to catch that as it was happening. That's why the difference. Some things come to warn us even. They're there, and they're happening at the moment. Not for everybody, but in this situation, we have to be honest, they were there. And that's why Kareen many times kept trying to just console herself with the understanding that, well, I can't just say God slipped up on us. He, was, it, he had a lot of serious warning signs that were happening that he just couldn't bring himself to, to do what needed to be done. So I believe then that we must understand in the context of all of the things that are also occurring that many times we don't understand all the whys. But that doesn't stop us from loving one another. We get out of the judgment of one another we love one another through where we are, understanding that God has commanded us to do that. Just as much as he's commanded us to follow the Ten Commandments, we see Jesus saying in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's why when, if Jesus is making it as a commandment, it means then there's no option for me to love you or not love you or to deal with you, not deal with you. I'm told I'm to love you. This is a commandment God has given us. And because of it, it, it does help us in our time of struggle. When they, yesterday, to, to be there, you know, um, they had the repass at a place. <laughs> so funny, Sister Karina had me laughing when I talk about it. Because I try to be transparent with everybody. You know, the name place was Good Times. I said, look, Sister Karina, Norman, as a pastor, praise the Lord, I don't hang out in places called... Good times. I said, now, <laughs> I understand what's going on. And my wife was like, you need to quit. I said, you're right. I said, but I'm coming. I said, I will be there. You know, so I'm getting ready to leave. And I said, look, y'all, the pastor's leaving. And um, I, I can't remember if it was Kezia or Jasmine. She said, well, <laughs> it don't matter whether you was leaving or not. Okay, if they get ready to have a party up in here, they're going to have it, Pastor. So you can just stay right here and drink your little cold drink and be through with it. And, and I thought it was just so funny because everybody was, and this is what's so crazy, y'all listen to me. This is the same, if you all remember many months, maybe a couple months ago, I told you about the guy who was um, washing cars in the heat. And I saw him, and I turned around and came back. Well, he's one of the same people who is kind of, I think he's like a partial either owner in good times or something like that. And he was out washing the cars, not cars when I came back getting the money. And Sister Green told me, she said, Pastor, I'm going to tell you this. That man, you couldn't tell him nothing about church. He said, when I would tell him about our church, he'd be like, what else? For all them, all the same. And he would just go on. He just, oh. he had no clue it was you who turned around and gave him what you gave him. When I started telling him that you were preaching and all of a sudden we realized that the man you had turned around and helped was him, he says, if he don't say nothing about no other church, or he say somebody, 
this, he has nothing to say. God has like stilled him for a moment because he realized that not only was it a member from our church, but it was the pastor from our church who recognized what was going on in the moment because I'm thinking with all the people in the world who don't want to work, some people don't even want to go outside. Here's this man working in all this heat, washing cars. And when, you know, why are you doing that? I thought to myself, and as I passed by, that's what caused my heart to go back. And I didn't say, man, I'm coming back because Jesus, not none of that. I just gave him and did what I did and went on. But as I preached it and they understood it, they told him, God began to deal with his heart. But it wasn't because I went up and said, man, you need Jesus. And man this and man that. No, I show, basically showed love in his direction, not realizing that's really what's going on. Here's a man who not knowing his circumstances, not knowing that he knew people who were a part of our church, not knowing that two, three, four months later, we'll be back in this establishment with someone that was close enough to them who has now died. All of this stuff working and working in such a way that people can continue to see God and his compassion. God is amazing in what he does and how he does it. I don't know what your circumstances are, but I will say this. God knows and we are always and should always be willing as brothers and sisters to reach out, touch, and care. Not just somebody, we know you like that. The reality is, if you know, we should be trying to at least embrace people to the extent we can and do what we can to try to assist and help. That's just what we ought to do. Jesus has commanded us to do it. And I think that the least we can do is follow his command. This is why he said in one place, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this, 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 and this? And he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. He's going to say, because when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was sick, you didn't come see me. When I was in prison, you weren't concerned about me. And they're going to say, well, Lord, when did all these things happen? When did we see you and not? help you? When were you sick and we did not visit you? When were you in prison and we didn't come? He said, just as you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. Phenomenal understanding. When we meet problems, we meet Jesus. When you see that guy in that wheelchair, see Jesus, because that's what he said, if, you, if you're not concerned about them, I never knew you. I told you to love one another. That was my commandment to you. You know, it's okay that you do things. It's okay that we have our lives. It's okay we have all this. But when it's all over, the greatest commandment, and Jesus says, I lay down my life for you. I call you friends. I want you to think about something. I went to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I went to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that talks about love. And I found myself, as I was praying about it, 
since the Bible says that God is love, then it means that every time we see love, we realize that here God is presenting himself to us. So I began then this morning as I was preparing, inserting Jesus into this set of scriptures. And it's amazing what you hear God saying about this. Now, I want you to think about this for yourself. If you were hurting, someone you know is hurting, God doesn't seem to be responding, God is not answering, God seems to be off the scene. There are some believe God is mad and angry. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. We must understand there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. We must repent of our sin, believe God in the gospel. The truth of the matter is there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ, provided I am in Christ, and that's what I got to do. Remember that, and think about this. Let's look at it. We're going to read chapter 13. We're going to go verse 1 through 13, and we're just going to take each verse as we go. And instead of charity, which is agape, love, we will insert our Lord's name as we deal with this and understand that God, one, would not hold us to anything. Jesus said, love one another. God is love. He holds us to nothing. He is not himself. But he is the greatest example of it. Let's think about it. Here comes Jesus. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I don't have Jesus, he's not what's important. He's not it. Jesus himself, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, if Jesus himself was here, and as he walked and as he did things, even though he could speak with every tongue every man had, every angel, anything he could do, if he did not demonstrate God's love to us, it didn't matter. He's a sounding brass. He's a tinkling cymbal. Why are you here, Jesus? Why have you come? And though I have the gift of prophecy, Jesus knew everything. Jesus remember, knew Nathaniel was under the tree before Nathaniel ever came. He said, I saw you under the fig tree before you came. He said, Master, you are the Son of God. He said, are you saying I'm the Son of God because of that? You're going to see a lot more stuff than that. That's not what makes me the Son of God. That's not what makes me who I am. I am love the greatest love that anyone can demonstrate. For God so loved the world that he gave the only son he had, and he died a gruesome death so all of us could have a chance at life. I understand all mysteries. I've had conversations with some of you. We don't understand most of the mysteries. Imagine being able to understand them all. 
as Jesus understood them all. He knew every single thing, every mystery, and all knowledge which he had. He's all knowledgeable. And though I have all faith, which he did, Jesus healed lepers, healed palsy, raised the dead, cast out devils. All this Jesus did. Yet he says, and could remove mountains without love, nothing. Who cares that Jesus came and he could heal everybody if when he's gone, he don't care? How, why does it matter that God demonstrates that through Christ if when it's over, it doesn't matter that we suffer? It does matter to God that you suffer. It does matter when you're going through, even though what? You may not feel that you can get to where you want to be. It's all right when it's over. God is still love, and he's still there loving you through the moments. Even though what we may not feel it, we may not understand it, but we know what God says. He says, I could take all of my goods. Right now, y'all could go home and take everything you got. God says, feed the poor. You could give your body to be burned. So the fact that Jesus gave himself his body and died on the cross does not matter, he says. If it were not for love, there's no profit in it at all. So if I'm going to go see this guy on the corner because I just want to ease my conscience or I just want to whatever it is, if it is not because I have genuinely come to a place to understand that you know what, man, you probably are hurting. You probably haven't heard anything positive in the last 20 minutes maybe. Maybe somebody gave you some money, but has somebody come and sat here in this heat with you? Has somebody come and said they understand Man, it's hot out here, and I don't even know how you do it. Have they? I could do that, but if I don't do it because Jesus has somehow penetrated my heart so that I actually love this man, it profits me nothing. God's going to be like, well, you might well went on home. Go on vacation. Do something else because it don't matter. See, so Jesus, everything he's doing, everything is about his love for us. See, see, that's what I'm saying. No matter what is happening, we got to realize it's his love for us. That's what's driving the processes. Everything that's going on. He says, look, charity, love suffers long. You got to realize that Jesus is long-suffering. He's not... I, 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 I remember once, I think I told you all this. If you had a child, like that little baby back there right now, Sister April and them have their child. When those babies start trying to walk, the question is, how long will you give them to walk? Sounds like a dumb question, but it's really not. How long are you going to give them? A week? Two weeks? A month? A year? No, I know what any loving parent's going to do. They're going to give you as long as it takes. Nobody's going to be sitting there going, the baby tries to get up, falls down. Come on! <laughs> really? 
I taught you better than that. Watch me. And then, and the baby like, I understand, but I ain't that developed yet. Can you, can you give me a little more time? Jesus suffers long. We don't get it right. We mess it up. But at the same time, and that's why I say with some of those sermons, I realize as Jesus talking to his disciples, these are the men that carry this thing forward. Trust me, I would not speak, uh, I don't know. I can't necessarily find anybody right now that off the top of my head. There's some people I would not speak to them like I would talk to Chris. If Brother Chris was in my office and we were talking about something that had to do with faith, I wouldn't be talking to Brother Chris like I talk to some other people, simply because Brother Chris, not only does he have his own business, not only has Brother Chris been involved in a lot of things, so I expect Brother Chris to be at a different level than somebody else. So to Jesus, I think, in dealing with his disciples, had to make it clear. Now look, y'all, I gave you the power to heal, which he had in the previous chapter. And here we two chapters later, and y'all running from the devil. What y'all don't understand? Y'all see me in the boat. Y'all afraid I'm back here asleep. How you think I'm going to drown? If I'm not going to drown, you ain't going to drown. So he's trying to deal with them in that moment. But folks, when I go on the corner to talk to this man, do you think I'm going to walk to him and say, Hi, I'm Pastor White from Jesus Christ Lord Ministries. Have faith in God. You need to get up out that chair, sir. God, make... Really? Or do you find yourself saying, hey, sir, how you doing? I'm just some guy. Just want to stop, talk to you for a minute, right? Let, let me just see, because I don't know where you at. I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know what's happening. But sometimes, you know, we can be so busy. We're running, 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 running. Now, we have our own things. I get that. But I'm saying, as God helps you through your life, just think about I'm telling you, there's some of y'all sitting out here today, whatever you got, I'll talk to you after church, because I already know. I sense it in my spirit. You, you like, Pastor, you didn't hit something here. I was going through this or whatever, and I just at least wanted to just share it. And, and just, it ain't made me nothing you can do about it, but I just won't get it off my chest. That's why I said this morning when we were doing our fellowship welcome, I said, let me come down, let me rub your neck. Why? Because I'm serious. Now, y'all may not be, and I don't really care. I came down because I wanted to touch you for real. Not like that. But I wanted to touch you. I wanted to see how you're doing. Look you in the eye. How you feeling? You're all right. Yeah, okay, if you're not fine, then you But the point is, what's the point if all we do is gather in a building, sing some songs at each other, hear me spout out some stuff out the book, and then we all leave to go back to our house? It's got to be more than that. It's got to be understood because as the world grows darker, I was telling Tacovi this this morning. We are entering into the times that they used to talk about when I was growing up. I never really thought I would see them, but just like when I started working at General Motors and they told me when we had 60, 70 percent of the car market, one day if we don't change how we do business, GM's going bankrupt. And we were like, oh, yeah, right. Every car on the road was a GM car. I mean, we were making money hand over fist. I, it ain't going to happen. That's what people kept saying. Now the UAW is up there with demands I never thought we would ever even hear. We want a 40% raise. 40%? And the company actually offered them 20. 
when I was doing this, you might get three. We're going to come out and offer you two. They came at with 10. We might settle at five. 20? That's because, as we were told back then, and I didn't understand it about America, we keep kicking the can down the road. You're going to reach a point where our kids are not going to be able to get a job that can sustain them. Even if they get a job, it's not going to be enough to just pay the basics they need to live. If you don't have some kind of established career doing something, they need insurance. They need to pay their car notes. They need to pay for apartments. They need all this. And now, when I was 19 and I left home, I, probably not wise, but I did, you could find an apartment for $250, and it was all right. You could get a job making $600 a month and almost make it. You could make 1000 a month, and you was probably doing all right. You could pay a few bills. You could get your gas, and if your car was paid for, well, you can pay the rest of your stuff. You might not could buy a new car, but at least you could get around. Today, 250 don't nobody want to live nowhere that they're paying 250 for rent. It's, 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 they are in, we are in times where now the young people are faced with jobs that not only are they being eliminated, all this AI stuff everywhere you go, you used to be able to go to McDonald's at least. You could get a job over there. Now they're trying to make sure all you got to do is you drive up to the drive-thru. Are you using our app today? It's rough. And now we're, we're, I think we're entering season where if things don't turn around, which I don't see how they can, people are going to be more desperate as they try to make ends meet. Things that used to just be taken for granted. No longer can you do. I went to Albertsons yesterday. They want one grapefruit, $2.50. I did one grapefruit. How y'all stay open? One grapefruit. So I keep telling people when they tell, especially our people, you know, they always, you go to the doctor and they'll say things like, well, you know, minorities, you have to be careful about heart disease and stuff, and that's why we give y'all, you know, y'all got to come in early and all that, as if it's hereditary, when really, if you realize what's really going on, how many of y'all going out and pay $2.50 for a grapefruit? Somebody going to tell you, one, now, I ain't talking about, you know, you need them all week for breakfast. You're going to have grapefruit for breakfast because you decided you want to get healthy or something. Whatever you're doing. $2.50, that's almost a half a tank in some of them little cars. <laughs> Are you talking about $2.50 every day for the grapefruit, just the grapefruit? You ain't got nothing else on the side. Daycare, health care, all the stuff that's going on. And then the people that are coming out then have to deal with all of this going on. I think we're going to see more and more people out there than we're seeing now. And I think the least we can do, y'all, even if you don't, if you ain't got a nickel to your name, you do have the love of Christ.
You do. You have the love of Christ. If nothing else, when, and I'm not saying don't put yourself in danger. I ain't talking about that. But if you see somebody and there's a moment, you know, if you can, just show them up. Give them a prayer. Get in there and try to do what you can. Try to demonstrate the love of Christ as best you can. But you got to do it from the heart. In other words, you got to feel it. You know, I, I, I feel it. I'm talking to some people sometime, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm shaking my head. How are you, how you going to make it? I mean, you know, if, if you're working over there and you're getting $10 an hour and you work five, 50 hours a week, that ain't but $500, and if they take taxes and you, you walk home with 400 okay, well, put that together. That may not be a whole lot for what you need. So it's a problem for a lot of people. And I just think that we need to be understanding about our place in the church. No greater love than to lay down his life. Look at what it says. Charity suffers long, it's kind. Our, Sister Lori has a little plaque in her office for love never fails because that's where this ends with love never fails. And I was going down the list and I kept saying, nope, <laughs> Nope. She said, you crazy. I said, nope. I was talking about myself. I was trying to grade myself. It says, no, love is patient. Nope. Uh, love is kind. No. Um, love doesn't envy. I said, well, there ain't too many people I envy. I guess I could give myself a check there. Love vote not itself. I said, no, I don't try not to do that. I might could give myself a check. Love is not puffed up. I don't know. Maybe a negative sign. Sure. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Oh, maybe I don't really know. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. F. F. <laughs> Boy, I can get provoked quick. I mean, you know, just, just flip out in a minute about anything. You know, it's like, well, what's wrong with you? F. Thinks no evil. I try. Rejoices not in iniquity. I think. Rejoices in truth. I hope. Bears all things. Nope. Believes all things. Nope. Hopes all things. Nope. Endures all things. Not at all. <laughs> Love never fails, but white does. All. Oh of the time. I found myself, Lord Jesus, if it wasn't for you, ain't no way I'm getting out of here. And look at what he says. It's Jesus never fails. He never fails. He never fails. What does that mean? You know, sometimes we have our ideas of what we want and things like that. But the reality is we have, we see failure and, and other things in different light. You know, we could feel that God failed in that family situation and we could feel that God failed. But God never failed. Jesus already did what needed to be done. He's paid the greatest price so that what? We could have access to life, the life that really ultimately matters to God. And he said that what I need you all to do is to love one another, pray for each other. And, you know, I have a pastor who every Sunday, he sends a text message out to like 13 or 14 of us. And he'll say things like, uh, preach the word, be encouraged, encourage your people, love God. And what I try to do is to stop and really give consideration to it and think, what can I send back to say to him, you know, in, in appreciation? Because he has a huge congregation. I mean, 
four or 5,000 members, and he takes his time to send it out. He and I are friends, and, you know, I'm on the list. You know, he doesn't strike me off because our church isn't as big as he is or none of that. And he encourages us and sends it out. He did that on his own. He just took it up on himself, and we started getting these text messages. So I try to think for myself and pray and send him something back to encourage him uh, in what he's dealing with and the things that he's doing and, and how he's doing it. You know, because many times he'll say, sometime I talk to him once, I envy you in a way. I said, Daddy, don't do it. But he says, hey, I don't mean it like that. I said, I know. He says, I envy you. He said, because see, the way you have done it, you all have a little bit better uh, control and a better opportunity to grow your ministry and your members to come to love each other to be better. He said, I, I took over this church. He said, and man, I battle more stuff than you'll ever understand or be able to know with as many members as we got and all the things I'm constantly under pressure and trauma and things I'm dealing with. He says, so don't look at me and wish you were here because trust me, I look at you and wish I was there. <laughs> he says, and so I thought about it. Here again is a man that you could be looking at thinking, yes, he's arrived to the pinnacle of what we do. And he's like, mm, not so much. It's not what you really think that it is, and it's the same thing with all of us and all that we're doing. We can look at each other's families, our children, our this, and we have our thoughts and we have our emotions. I had my neighbor, I came out uh, this weekend, matter of fact, this morning, getting ready to go to church, and y'all know I was doing a thing about grass and all that. Well, you know, the summer just, you know, this reminds me of the world. It's like, I just can't, I, I got to the point, it's like I can't beat the sun. I figured if I just kept doing it, kept working it, kept going, I'd beat it. The sun has not relented yet. And I just threw it to the wind. I said, well, just let her dry, let her dry. My neighbor has not given up, but his yard is not nearly as big as mine, right? Well, it's nice and green. I came out this morning, I said, man, neighbor, you got it going on. I said, I had to just throw my hands to the wind. He said, yeah, I saw it. I used to see you out there every morning, 5 o'clock. You was getting it. I said, man, but it got me. It got me. He said, but Reverend, let me say this. <laughs> He's hollering all across the street. You always got something going over there. I'm just so impressed with you. And I thought to myself, man, you don't know half of what's going on in my life. I'm so impressed with you. And I said to him, man, all I can tell you is Jesus. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. I said, because the reality is, most of the time, we ain't got a clue what we're looking at. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus, when it's all over, his love never fails. You know, I, I think about the, the fact that my wife picked that ministry as a name. And, you know, I, I told you all a little bit, a couple of times I was having some trouble with some things. And, you know, I was having some trouble at one point because I had some pain. It was hard to go to sleep. So I would try not to bother her with it. And I would go in the other room, and, and sometimes I'd sit in the chair and, you know, just did not fall asleep there sometimes. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and I had a table there. And I was like, what, what is this? And she had gotten up out of the bed, came in there, brought me a table so that I didn't have to lay my head in my lap with the pillow. And I said, you didn't have to. And she was like, well, I'm going to just let you sit up in here doing it. And, and, and I thought, see, now that's what I'm talking about. That's why you got this ministry. See, love never fails. If I ever doubted your love, which I don't think I have, I, hey, man, you getting up all hours of the night, coming up in here, you know, doing this thing you're doing and all that. And I said, you know, I really want you to know I appreciate that. 
Folks, the little things we can do for each other and the little ways we can manage and deal with each other, I think is the most important thing when it's all over. My prayer for you today is that when this is over, however this shapes up in your life as you keep moving day by day and place by place, remember that love bears all things and believes. God himself, he can bear it all. God is able to bring you to a place of peace, no matter what we're doing and where we are. It's always about Jesus. Look, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for the greater love you showed to us in Christ. We appreciate the fact that you demonstrated this great depth of compassion you have by dying in our place, showing us constant examples of your care for people, even as in the example this morning of this lady who did not even ask you for anything, and you walked up and you returned her son to her. But Father, we know that without the story telling us, eventually someone had to die. Eventually he died again. Whether he died before she did or not, we do not know. But we know one thing, that death comes. But we also know that life is here. And during the time that we have it, we are commanded to love one another. And I pray today that this church will continue to grow in the grace and the love that we have and the concern one for another. And that, Father, we might continue to grow and be all that you desire us to be. Let them love their families, love their children. Do all that is necessary, Father, that they might hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servants. Father, we thank you even for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.